0: What's up, everyone? Good morning, and welcome to our Water's Edge online Sunday morning worship experience. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you that continue to share these worship videos with your friends and family, we hope it's helpful. Thank you so much for that. People are tuning in from all over the place, all over the state, all over the country, and even in other countries, people are tuning in. Also, for those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. It helps us love more people and help more people and serve more people and feed more people. We have a very unique opportunity coming up. Uh, The two Saturdays before Easter, we're gonna be handing out gas cards throughout the city just to bless people and just to help people as gas prices are rising. So if you'd like to donate towards that, it'll go to help towards people. If you would like to help sign up, And uh, help us hand those out. Just shoot us an email. Shoot us a message in the comments below. Let us know that you would like to sign up. We'll get you signed up. We'll let you know. We'll go bless the community and serve the city. Okay, let's get into this today. As people of faith, we're trying to follow Jesus. That's why we're tuned in right now. That's why we come to worship. That's why we seek God, because we're trying to follow Jesus. And as people of faith, we're trying to know and do the will of God. And when we say the will of God, this is what we mean. This is what we pointed out last week. I need to know what does God want me to do? And if we're all honest, I think that we would all say that we struggle with this today. We all struggle with finding and knowing and doing the will of God. What does God want me to do in my relationships, in my future, in my health? in my faith, in my family, in my marriage, in my storms, in my trials, in my life, what does God want me to do? And so for most of us, that's why we come to church and that's why we pray and that's why we worship and that's why we meditate and that's why we seek God so we can figure this out in our life as we face certain decisions and choices and circumstances, we deeply want to know what does God want me to do? I'm about to have to make this decision, what does God want me to do? And I need to figure out, is this the choice that God wants me to make for this certain situation? that I'm facing. I need to know what does God want me to do? I'm facing this storm. I'm facing this trial. I'm facing this adversity. I'm facing this fear. I'm facing this uncertainty, and I need to know what does God want me to do? And so we read stories about Jesus from a long time ago, stories written by people who knew Jesus and who followed Jesus, who walked with Jesus and who talked with Jesus and who heard Jesus teach, and they served with Jesus. And these stories are stories of experience Experiences that people had, real people had, with the real Jesus, like tax collectors and prostitutes and people who had leprosy, the sick and the diseased, the religious, the powerful, the popular, the weak, the rejected, and the forgotten. And these stories are stories of healing and love and forgiveness and second chances and purpose and joy and serving and life change. But the question we're asking in this series is this What if that was you? in that story with Jesus? And what if he was talking to you in that story? What if he was teaching you? What if he was feeding you? What if he was helping you? What if in that story you became the leper or the tax collector or the religious or the hungry for that moment? Or better yet, what if Jesus walked into your life and what if he walked into your story in the next chapter of your story right now today? What would he say to you right now today? What would he say to you about your questions, about your sadness? What would he say to you about your anxiety, about your decisions? What would he say to you about your family, about your relationships, and about your fears, and about your faith? What does God Want me to do because at the end of the day, that's really the life that we all want to live. We all want to live a life of, and again, remember this, notice this today a life of peace, hope, and purpose. A life of peace that our inner fears and anxieties stop dominating us. A life of hope that our inner temptations to give up and lay down and quit stops controlling us, and a life of purpose, that our inner battle with low self-esteem stops controlling us. But what's holding you back from living that life today, the life that you know deep down you really wanna live? A few years ago, I was getting my multiple sclerosis medication from a specialty pharmacy and that specialty pharmacy had to partner with a copay assistance program just to be able to get me my medicine. My medicine costs $5000 a month and so insurance would cover 2500 and then the copay assistance program would cover 2500 and it would get shipped right to my door and I wouldn't have to pay anything. And so I remember a few years ago, I get on the phone to reorder my medicine. I needed it in a couple of days. And they said, well, it's going to cost you $2,500 because your copay assistance program ran out and it was canceled. So I had to call the copay assistance program. And they said, no, this program never runs out and it's never canceled it shouldn't say that in their system. So I called the pharmacy back and the pharmacy said, well, you need to call that program back and you need to get a group number from them showing that it hasn't been canceled. So I called the copay assistance program back and they said, no, you don't need a group number because we don't give out group numbers. We've never given out group numbers. That's not something that we do. So I called the pharmacy back and they said, well, it still says in our system that it's been canceled. So you owe us $2,500 if you want your medicine, this medicine, that would help me live the life that I needed to live that would keep me out of a wheelchair out of a hospital That would keep me with my vision from going out and to keep my speech from slurring and all those types of things and so I needed this medicine to physically live the life that I wanted to live and so I had to call the copay assistance program back and they said no it hasn't been canceled there's something wrong in their system hold on while we call the pharmacy and get them on a three-way call with you and us, and we'll fix this whole problem. And so that's what they did. We get on the three-way call with the pharmacy and the copay assistance program company. They fix it all. So the copay assistance program hangs up. I'm back on the phone with a pharmacy. I go to make my order and they say, uh-oh, in our system, it still shows it being been canceled. So we can't ship it to you. So I said, ma'am, I just got off the phone on the three-way call with the copay assistance program and you, where y'all fixed it. She goes, oh yeah, let me go talk to my supervisor. So then she comes back, she goes, my supervisor says it's still messed up in our system so we can't ship the medicine to you right now unless you pay us $2,500. And y'all, I needed my medicine in two days. So I got loud and I did bad. I started yelling loudly. And I told this lady over the phone, I said, stop messing with me. I need my medicine. My medicine helps me live the life that I need to live. Stop messing with me. Send me my, and I started screaming and yelling, and guess what? They got it fixed in their system, and I got my medicine in time. Now listen, again, that medicine helped me live the life physically and medically that I needed to live, and when I felt like the pharmacy was holding me back From getting what helped me live the life that I needed to live, then I got aggressive and I got serious. Don't take away from me what's going to help me live the life that deep down I need to live. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. I'm going to get serious and aggressive about it if I have to. Now, let me ask you a question. In your heart and in your soul, there's this life that you want to live and there's this life deep down that you know that you need to live, a life of peace, hope, and purpose in Christ. What's getting in the way of that? What's holding you back from that? What's keeping you from living that life today? Whatever it is, it's time for us to get serious about it and to get aggressive with it, aggressive with overcoming this struggle. Listen. You don't need to be perfect to start doing what God wants you to do. You just need to get aggressive and serious about it. Jesus didn't call perfect people to follow him. He just called people who were willing. He didn't call people who had their act together. He just called people who were willing. These people were deeply human and deeply broken and deeply messed up, but they all had one thing in common. They were simply willing to do what God wanted them to. To do. We pick up today in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 9. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors, and other disreputable sinners. Now, to the ancient Jew, the tax collector was a traitor, scum, lower than spit. A tax collector was a Jewish man who bought a tax franchise from the Roman government. The Roman government, the Roman Empire, had occupied this part of the world. And so Israel at this time, the Jewish people at that time, were being occupied by Rome under the oppression of Rome. And so uh, a, a tax collector back then was a Jewish man who purchased a tax franchise from the Roman government, and he would collect taxes from his own Jewish people to pay to the Roman government, and as he did, he would rip his own people off to pad his own pockets and pay Roman soldiers to protect him, because once you did that, your fellow Jewish people considered you a traitor, you're working for the enemy, and so they considered you lower than spit, and they kicked you out of the synagogues, you could no longer worship with them whatsoever, you worked for the enemy. So anytime in the New Testament where you see tax collectors and sinners together, the reason why is because both tax collectors and sinners to the serious, holy, religious Jew, they were both considered lower than dirt, lower than spit, lower than mud. Tax collectors and sinners, sinners and tax collectors, they both were considered lower than scum, which explains verse 11. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples of Jesus, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Wow. I mean, tell us how you really feel about these people that are different than you. Verse 12, when Jesus heard this, uh (laughs) uh-oh, he heard them. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Jesus had his way of reminding the religious self-righteous how sick they really were. And he had his way of reminding sinners around him how loved they really were. Verse 13, then Jesus added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Some of us think we're a whole lot better than we really are. And some of us know deep down that we're more broken than we care to admit. So we just read about Matthew, the tax collector, and his friends who were sinners and the religious and their self-righteousness. But now it's our turn. Now it's my turn. Now it's your turn to see ourselves in this story where Matthew was giving a label tax collector and a sinner, a label that would stick with him for probably most of his life. When he walked down the road, that label cut his heart deeply. But what if we placed ourselves in this story? What if in this moment, we became Matthew and his friends and also the religious with their self-righteousness? In this story, what would Jesus say to us? I think he would say a few things. The first thing is this: if you're still with me, Sam still with you. number one. You will always feel like a hypocrite just because you're human. We have to admit this. Most of us all are a bundle of walking contradictions. We all need to admit that we all have some contradictions in our life. We say that we believe in love, but we can be mean. We say that we believe in having faith, but we can doubt and we can let our anxieties and fears just control us. We say that we believe in serving, but we can be so selfish. And many of you always feel too guilty, too ashamed, too, too a disqualified, too unworthy to commit your life to following Jesus and doing what God wants you to do. It's hard for you to believe that God fully loves you because you feel like such a hypocrite. Let me tell you why you feel that way. If you're ready for it, say I'm ready. You feel that way because you're human. You feel that way because you're alive. You will always feel that way, so get up and follow Jesus anyway. Matthew, the tax collector, wasn't perfect at all. He was just willing to get up and follow Jesus. Number two, I think this, you will always feel unworthy because you're human. You tell yourself that you don't deserve a life of peace, hope, and purpose because of your past, because of your mistakes, because of your doubts, your weaknesses, because of what you've done. But when Jesus was invited by Matthew to go to his house to have a party meal with Matthew's tax collector friends who were sinners, did Jesus say no? Did he shun them? Did he guilt trip them? Or did he go to his house and recline at his table with all the other tax collectors and sinners? Jesus went to the home of Matthew and he reclined at his table. So you're messed up. Jesus would be the first one at your house to recline at your table. So you have a past. Jesus would be the first one at your house to recline at your table. So you feel broken. So you feel like you're falling apart. So you feel like you're broken. Jesus would be the first one at your house to love on you and recline at your table. He's not gonna shun you. He's not gonna shame you. He's not gonna reject you. You feel unworthy like we all do because we all are. That was the point of the cross. You will never feel ready and worthy enough to follow Jesus. And so you can't impress him or earn him. Jesus didn't call Matthew to follow him because he was worthy. He called him because he was willing. So you feel unworthy. That's cool. We all do. Get up and follow him anyway. Number three, if you're still with me, so I'm still with you. You will always feel tempted to judge just because you're human. How could Jesus eat? with such scum. And then Jesus said in verse 13, go and learn what this means. Show mercy, not sacrifice. You say, Tony, What did Jesus mean by that statement, show mercy and not sacrifice? This is what he meant. Your religion, your holy lifestyle, your churchy life, your church activity, how good you live by, by all the sins that you don't do means nothing if you don't show love and mercy and compassion and acceptance and grace to all people. We all have that temptation to think the worst about everyone else in our life. Stop doing that. Following Jesus means walking in love. Amen. Number four, you'll always try to make yourself look better than you really are just because you're human. Do you know what a modern-day Pharisee is? A modern-day Pharisee is someone who will condemn in your life what they condone in their own life. They just think that they do it for better reasons. That's what a Pharisee is. That's what a modern-day Pharisee actor and hypocrite is someone who will condemn in your life what they condone in their own life. And the reason they condone it is because they think they do it for better reasons. Now, everyone pay attention to this. I have to say this. You cannot love other people correctly if you keep holding them to standards that you don't hold yourself to. Let me say that again. You cannot love other people correctly if you keep holding other people to standards that you do not hold yourself to. It's like telling other people, you better go to the doctor, you have bronchitis. I'm not going, I have the flu, but you need to go because you have bronchitis. Stop guilt tripping other people for being sick because you're just as sick as everybody else. Don't you need help? Don't you need Jesus? Don't you need Jesus to help you have peace and hope and purpose in your pain, in your uncertainty, in your life? Don't you need help? He can't help you unless you admit that you're sick and you need his help. And that's why Jesus said, if you don't know that you need a doctor, I can't help you. But we play this game, don't we, of acting like everything's okay. While we hold other people's standards that we don't hold ourselves to, you cannot love other people correctly in that way. So there's this life that we all want to live and that we all need to live, a life of peace, hope, and purpose. But we don't find it. Because we don't fight for it. We don't find it because we don't get serious and aggressive about it. We don't find it because we run around judging other people, shaming other people, living self-righteous, and holding other people to standards that we don't hold ourselves to. And we don't fight it because we play this game of covering up how broken and messed up we really are. So let's answer this last question, if you're still with me, so I'm still with you. How can you and I discover our purpose in Christ? Or basically, how can I find out in this moment today, what does God want me to do with my life? What does God want me to do? Here's the answer. Notice this today and remember this. It's the will of God for you to show love, acceptance, mercy, and hospitality to all people. Do you want to find peace, hope, and purpose? Start here. Your religion and your religious lifestyle means nothing unless you show mercy, sacrifice, acceptance, hospitality, compassion, kindness, welcoming, and love to all people. Because at the end of the day, we all need a doctor. This is what God wants us to do. Why don't you pray with me? Father, today we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for loving us. I thank you for our church. Use our church in our city to bless people and help people and to show people your love. And for everyone listening today, I pray that you would touch their hearts and draw close to them. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We cannot wait to see you back next week.